It's good to see you, and um, it feels like a good Sunday to do this, um, to talk about vision stuff, uh, because uh, this is the first, our first Sunday of year two. Um, so it's great to be here and to be with you, and especially good to be talking uh, about vision. Um, are you ready? Yeah. yeah, good. Okay. I'm going to pray too, because this, um, this is important stuff. So, uh, Father God, come and take these words and help us uh, to hear you and help us to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let me read the first bit. Imagine a community of people from every generation and every background following Jesus, committed to growing and being transformed by him, continually being filled with God's Holy Spirit and going into their communities and lovingly sharing Jesus in actions and words. This is the kind of church family that we want to become. We've not arrived yet, but we are a church on the way. That's the opening phrase from the vision stuff that we've published on the website. And um, I just want to, before we kind of dig into it, I just want to share a little bit uh, about the journey. Um, so we've uh, we've put out this new stuff in terms of a website and a logo and a little kind of uh, tagline. Um, where does it come from? Well, this is a rich little phrase, a church on the way. Of course, the primary reference is to Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But it's also got a whole bunch of other things going on as well. Um, you might remember that the first Christians were referred to as followers of the way. And then, of course, there's another way, which is right outside our door. Literally, it passes past the front door, called the Cotswold Way. Um, and there are thousands of visitors that walk past this place uh, every single year. Wouldn't it be great to be a hospitable community to them? At the moment, we're not doing very much, other than those of us that kind of live and work around here, kind of waving at them and asking them which direction they're going in. You know, knowing whether they've either got another mile and a half to go or another kind of 92 or 98 or whatever it is. But there is also uh, a sense that being a church on the way says that we are on a journey and we haven't arrived yet. Actually, to express a, to express a church vision like that makes it very accessible for those who are kind of looking in. Because it's invitational. It's saying, we haven't got there yet. Come on the journey with us. We're a church on the way. And the last thing, um, uh, any of you remember the song Majesty? Kind of put a hand up. Yeah, some of you have been here for a long time. <laughs> Back in the day, there was this song called Majesty. Uh, it was one of those songs that got banned for a season because it was like, no, we've oversung that. Um, a bit like Shine Jesus Shine, you know. Um, it was written by this guy called Jack Hayford. And Jack Hayford, if you like, was one of the, one of the kind of forerunners of helping the church to rediscover worship, especially charismatic worship in the power of the Holy Spirit. This, this reverence for God, the presence of God. And he wrote the song Majesty. And his church was called 
church on the way. So if you like this phrase, is my little kind of nod of the cap uh, to him and to that movement to say, do you know what? We want to claim that heritage for us. Not to go back, but for now. For what God wants to do now. I don't know what you, what you see in this, um, in this little logo above the eye of all saints. Um, obviously on this projector it doesn't look great. Um, but the projector is a little picture of why we need to do the rock project. Okay? Let me explain. We could start talking about replacing a projector, and actually I have begun that conversation, because frankly it's getting duller and duller, and there's only so many times you can clean it. Or we could talk about the desire to communicate clearly and to help people see Jesus. I want to do the second one. And that does mean replacing the projector. Um, uh, I don't know what you see. You know, we've tried to do this stuff well. Some people see uh, a sense of invitation into the light. Some people see the doors opening and people coming into the light. Some people look at this little logo and kind of go, oh, the light's kind of bursting out and growing and spilling out into the neighbourhood. Other people uh, see a, a lantern kind of guiding the way. I don't know whether you see that or not. Uh, that's not one I see in there. But, but whatever you see in it, we, we landed on this because there's this sense of invitation about it. The sense of come and discover more of who God is. How did we land on this little phrase, a church on the way, and all of this kind of vision stuff that I'm going to unpack and you're going to hear a lot more about over this next few weeks? Well, it's been a lot of conversations with staff team, with PCC, with all sorts of other... Essentially, wherever I've been for the last kind of four or five months, I have pitched in the latest version of where we've got to. Okay, And I've kind of pitched it out, I've got the feedback from some of you, and then we've reshaped things. And so we've landed with something that is really, really simple. And honestly, I I have to tell you, I I wanted something more complicated. I wanted something more kind of robust that we could kind of say, yes, look, this is us, we've arrived. And we have landed for something really simple. And And I think that's great. And what we've landed on is a church on the way with three words. Following, growing, and going. Following Jesus. Growing as his disciples. And going into the world to make a difference. Going and doing the things that he's called us to do. A church on the way, or if you like the kind of sentence version of following, growing, and going. A church on the way following Jesus and making disciples in the power of of the Holy Spirit. So folks, that's it. It's easy enough to understand in a minute. Yeah? What's it about? What's the church on the way? It's about following Jesus. It's about growing in him. And it's about going and doing what he's told us to do. You can say it in under a minute as well. So let's let's unpack it. And let's just dive into each of those three things. The following, the growing, and the going. Um, so... Following, first of all. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I've tried to state this stuff really clearly right up front. 
Okay? This is all about Jesus. It's actually not about all saints. It's definitely not about me, and it's not about the Church of England. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus through whom all things were made. Everything that's around us was made through him and for him. Yet he came to earth as a human being, flesh and blood. This Jesus Christ who stepped into our world, he's the one that went to the cross and died a painful death to deal with all of the sin of the whole of humanity. He is the one He is the one who was raised from the dead to bring us to fullness of life. And how do we, how do we understand Jesus? Where do we get our information about Him? We we get our information from one place. And it's from the Bible. You know, yes, we have an experience of Him. Yes, we pray. Yes, we learn more each day and we walk with Him. But our primary kind of concrete foundation reference point is the Word of God. And I've put that in right up front as well. It's about Jesus and we get our information about him from the word of God. But it starts with us. With you, you and me making a simple choice to follow him. Us following Jesus. And as we do that, actually we can't then help but invite others to follow him as well. So, completely shameless plug uh, for the Alpha course. Am I running this one, or are you, you Jeremy? My clicker stopped working. Fantastic. Um, shameless plug for the Alpha course. You know, it's a great way to invite people to follow Jesus. It goes through the Christian faith systematically, uh, and, and I'd love it. We've got some flyers at the back here. Um, we've done them in a particular way. Uh, they haven't got a date on them, so you can tell people what the date is. The first uh, evening is the 26th of September. That's the taster evening. But we've deliberately left lots of white space on the red side. Okay? The idea is you can get a pen and scribble on it, Dear Joe, you're invited to the Alpha Clause, love your neighbour, Dave, and put it through their door. Or even better, give it to them. Okay? Even better, okay, I mean, if you're a, if you're a lady and you've got a handbag, take a stack of ten of them and keep them with you for the next week. Okay? And then when you're talking to someone, this is like evangelism basics, when you're talking to someone, conversation about the weather, whatever it might be, you're saying, Holy Spirit, is this an opportunity? Is this the time? And if you pray that, he'll show you. And if you're armed and ready, ta-da, alpha course. Hey, you've got questions about, do you know we're running a course? We'd love you to come. Keep a pen with you as well. Scribble on the front. Dear Barbara, you're invited. Okay, love Mark. And give them the card. All right, or give them to Okay, invite them. Bring a friend. It'd be great to have a load of folks on the Alpha Course who are uh, who are asking those kind of questions. It starts with us making a choice to follow Jesus, and that choice is a daily choice. The next bit is the growing bit. Jesus says, "All authority in heaven." and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. 
And I'm focusing on the making discipleship uh, bit, making disciples rather than the going bit at this stage. We'll come to that in a moment. How, how is it that we are going to make disciples in this generation, in, in our time? How, how are we going to do that? Are we going to come up with something fancy and new? Actually, I think the way that we make disciples is the same way that disciples have always been made. We teach the core stuff about what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And we teach and model and show the core things about what it means to live that out. So I've, I've highlighted five habits. And that's the stuff that we're going to look at over the next three weeks. And, and we've shaped them all in this thing that we're very simply calling uh, the way. Uh, and there are two parts to it. Um, there, there's going to be a whole load more. It's going to be one of those things that just kind of grows. The way is, if you like, the way that we're going to talk about discipleship. So, first of all, five habits. The habit of praying each day. Of reading God's Word. Of joining a small group. We call them home groups here. Of committing to a congregation, uh, a regular kind of family home. And of giving, not just, not just money, but living generously, living generously to those who are around us. So five habits. Pray, read, join, commit, and give. Uh, and, and you know, these are, these are such simple things. But they're the kind of things where if we do them, then what happens is we, let, we make space for the Holy Spirit to do His work in us and we become the kind of people that He wants us to be. And we go and do the things that he wants us to do. So rather than burden you with, hey, we've got to go and uh, convert everybody in the whole of the southwest of England, what I'm asking you to do is really simple. Pray and read his word. Be part of a small group. Commit to a regular congregation and live generously. Be the kind of person that gives. Because I think if we're doing this kind of stuff, then actually what happens is we'll get fuller and fuller with his Holy Spirit and we'll start to walk into the things that he wants us to do. Does that make sense? There's a second part of, of the way, which is, which is this. It's a kind of training element. You know, there, there's only so much that you can kind of get across the bridge on a Sunday. Okay, and there's only so much that can that can happen within a within a home group context. So we wanted just to provide these little moments where, if you needed it, and and frankly, if you don't need the stuff that we're putting on, don't come. Okay, if this is what you need and this is what, then come along because we we just want to help you to grow and follow the way of Jesus. So we've got three events this term. There's some more planned for next term. Uh, the first one is about helping you as you go. It's about helping you to share your faith. Um, then we've got one on reading the Bible in October. And then we've got one on uh, what you might call some spiritual discipline. Sounds a bit heavy, but basically it means uh, learning to do stuff well. Slow down. Fasting. Fasting. It's okay. It's going to be all right. Uh, and praying. Why is the vicar talking about not eating? It's going to be okay. Don't panic. Um, 
We, we, we just want to, we just want to have that opportunity to go a little bit deeper where that's helpful. It, it would be really helpful for us if you're planning on coming on these, if you could sign up. Okay, there's a, there's a sign up form on the website. If you can't get on the website, uh, then just let me know and we'll, we'll put your name down. You can, of course, just show up. All right, and um, all of that information, including the stuff on Alpha, is on the back of the term card. So if you want to remember the dates, take the term card. It's the one that looks different from how the previous term card looked. Um, so growing, two things that we're going to do to start us off: the the habits and also the training of the way. Now let's talk about the last one. Let's talk about the going. Um, uh, when I, when I did this picture, it was kind of on widescreen because it's on, it's on one of the banner headings on, on the website. Looking at it on small screen, uh, it's, from, it's from the Abbey, uh, from the top of the Abbey, and, and the light is coming from Weston. Um, <laughs> that, that, that wasn't quite what I was trying to say, is just looking at it on a big screen today. You know, the church in Bath is great. And actually it's wonderful that we relate to each other and that we encourage each other and that we see the kingdom rather than seeing things in isolation. Jesus, uh, Jesus says this at the beginning of Acts, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. I, I want to introduce you to a new made-up word. Someone else got there first. They've grabbed it for a thing in London. Um, uh, but I, you know, I, I think it's a good made-up word. Uh, and the word is this. It's co-mission. Rather than the great commission, Matthew 28, I've kind of squished together the great commission and the bit at the beginning of Acts that I've just read where Jesus says, you'll be filled with power. Uh, you see... The problem, I think, for a lot of us is, is when we hear what the job is, we're like, great, I've understood what the job is, I'm going to go and do it. Fantastic. When actually what we forget is that what Jesus says at the end of Matthew 28 is, and I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. We were never supposed to go and do the things that Jesus has asked us to do without him. The whole point is that he wants to go with us and before us and within us. As we go in the power of the Holy Spirit, we carry the presence of Jesus Christ with us and we meet the power and the presence of Jesus Christ as we go. So this little word that we made up word that we're going to use of co-mission because I want to emphasize not that it's the commission but that actually we get to co-labor with God in this stuff. We're not alone. He is with us. But the context in which we do the things that he's asked us to do is a little different from what it used to be. Um, hands up if you've seen this picture before few of you, um, you'll, you'll know what I'm about to say then. Um, this, is a, this is a river in Honduras, and uh, they built this fantastic bridge to grow across the river, and then Hurricane Mitch came, and overnight the river moved. Brilliant, brilliant bridge, entirely in the wrong place. So actually, as bridges go, 
useless. What happened was that the river shifted and what has happened in our culture is that culture has shifted to a completely new place. You might want to track it down to kind of post-war disappointment and hardship. You might want to track it down to the 60s and say, oh, it was all about, you know, the world and free love and, and everything, the mindset changed. Or you might want to track it down to kind of, you know, the, the, the 80s and 90s with the, with the bankers and Thatcher and all that stuff and Porsches and champagne. Or you might want to track it down to the rise of the internet or even social media. Wherever you pin the starting point, what's happened is that culture has moved from where it was to a new place. A different set of thinking is occurring. People are prioritizing different things. And we, the faithful church, find ourselves in the same old place that we used to be, doing things in the old way. And the language that we speak sometimes misses the mark completely. You know, if you were going to go and be a missionary, some friends of mine uh, have gone out to Guatemala, one of the first things that they are having to do is they are having to learn the language. They're having to go to language school so they can learn the language so that they can speak to the folks in the local community. Folks, we have a new language that we need to learn in order to speak to our current culture. The message of Jesus Christ is the same as it always has been, but the words with which we express it and the way in which we express it in this culture needs to be different. Because if we use the same old words, people will hear something completely different because the thinking has changed. Let me highlight one way uh, that we can do something, just to, so I don't leave you hopeless, okay, that you can do something really, really simple um, so that people can actually hear uh, the good news of Jesus. In, in this culture where everyone has their own personal truth, actually people need to experience Jesus, most people need to experience Jesus, before they come to the point of going, oh, I believe. It used to be that we'd persuade people into faith, they'd come to faith, and then they'd have an experience of him. That's turned on its head now, because actually the explaining bit for some people, there's too much to get through, get over the bridge. But if they experience him first, then you've got a great opportunity to explain. And you know, the great thing about people experiencing Jesus is that suddenly the pressure's not on us because the Holy Spirit is everywhere and is longing, longing to move in people's lives. He's got there first with most people even before it's even clocked on our radar. So all we have to do is join in. And you know the best thing that you can do is listen to people rather than jump in with your story too quick. Listen to their story and pray for them. You know, just diving in at any point in their story when it's appropriate. You're going, oh, that sounds really tough. Can I pray for you? Oh, yeah, I'd love you to pray. Great, let's do it now. Okay? And you pray for them. And you ask for God's blessing on them right there and then. And you ask for the Holy Spirit to come and rest on them. 
And you know what? I've seen him do that again and again and again. And in that moment, people experience Jesus by the power of his Holy Spirit. And then when they come up from the prayer, they then go, what was that? And you go, aha, let me tell you. Suddenly they've experienced something, they've experienced it, so it must be true. That's how our culture works. And we then get to explain the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I hope that as you kind of get the get the push from the Holy Spirit to go into the world, which comes from following and growing, that actually what will happen is that we will make a difference in the world, that we will transform our streets, that we will love our neighbours, that we will be lights in our workplaces, that we will care for the marginalised and the poor. But all of that comes from simply making a choice to follow Jesus, growing as his disciples, doing the simple things that he's invited us to do, to pray, to read his word, to meet together. And as we do those simple things, he sends us out in the power of the Spirit. So, so Mark, you might say, well, um, that's all very well, but what's the strategy? Okay, come on, I'm, I, I need to know. I work, in, I work in middle or upper management. I want to know what the rest of the plan is. Well, I'm not going to tell you. Uh, actually, I am going to tell the PCC, and we're working on a whole bunch of stuff, which um, I was hoping I might be able to get more of, the, more of it for them tomorrow night, but they'll get it in due course. Okay, there's, there is going to be a whole bunch of other strategy stuff. But, but you need to know, you need to know what the most important strategy is. And that's the bit that I want to share with you. You can download the rest of it in, in, in due course. The most important strategy is this. It's you and me. This, this is God's amazingly clever plan for the transformation of the whole of the world and for the sharing of good news about who he is. You and me. That's the clever plan. It's the one that he worked on when he was here on earth with a few disciples. It's you and it's me. This, the, these dots, by the way, is, is, is how far people come in uh, to all saints. You know, from all, all sorts of places, wide. Some people travel in a long way to get here. You know, that's great. There are about 300 adults on the kind of church family database. Adults who count all saints as home. About 300. There's about 146 children. You know, some of those are children who uh, come to some of the groups during the week but actually attend a different church on a Sunday. So you might want to lower that number a little bit. What happens if we if we zoom in so you can see what that look what these dots on the map look like over kind of Western and over Bath? Let's do that. It looks a little bit like that. So each dot is uh, is a postcode where a bunch of you live. So three hundred adults, hundred and forty six kind of children in the church family. On Sundays, 
that looks like 240, uh, 264 people on an average Sunday. And for the statisticians, Chris was at our first service. That data is from the 1st of January to about the 9th, to about the 9th of July uh, in 2018. So if we included the summer, it would drop a tiny little bit. 264 people on a Sunday. And you are scattered all over Western and Bath and beyond. Do you see God's perfect plan for the evangelization of the whole of the nation is to place you all over the place? How good is he? All over the place. You know, we will organize some more things, but uh, but I want you to know that the outreach plan has got three strategies, three kind of prongs to it. The first one is relational. It's relational. It's you and me relating to another human being. Listening to them, praying with them, when appropriate, sharing faith with them, caring for them, whatever that might be. So the first part is relational. The second is that it's loving. It's not going out and battering people over the head. If you do that, I can tell you what answer you're going to get. You're going to get a no. Because in our culture, everyone else's truth truth trumps the truth that you hold. You're going to get a no. It's got to be loving. We've got to love people and look after them. It's also organized. There will be some more organized stuff as part of this plan, but you know what I want to prioritize is the relational. I want to prioritize you and me being in the right places to do the things that God has called us to do. You know, I do believe that if we do these things, that the Lord will add to our number. Not Mark adding to the number, not all saints, but the Lord. When the church grows, it's Him who does it, not us. And so, let's talk about a number. You know, I batted this around with a whole lot of different people. Um, at the staff team, we batted it around. And we, were a little, we were a little bit kind of wobbly about putting it in. We thought it might be a distraction. So we agreed together to take the number out of all the vision documents. And then we took it to the PCC and we said, look, here, here's, here's how far we've got with it all. And, uh, and we looked at it and, and there was this kind of voice around the room of, no, no, the number's got to be back in. And so we did a show of hands. This is how we've got to this number. We did a show of hands. Uh, oh, I'm about to put the number up. We did, and the show of hands was, at what point do you feel comfortable with having a number? And I went through the numbers, starting at about 100. In terms of, how big would you like the, the church to be? You know, all saints. 100 people? Yeah, everyone was in for that. And the reason for putting a number in is not because I want to set it as a target, but it... We've got a number in order to make us uncomfortable enough to know that we can't do this in our own strength. So we've landed on 10% of the folks who are in Western, plus a little bit. And for those of you that know the stats, well, that, that gets us to 750 people as an average Sunday attendance. You know, I'd love to see that many people here. You know what that looks like? That looks like about, if I've got my numbers right off the top of my head because I didn't put it in my notes... It looks like about 150 people at the 9 o'clock. It looks like about 150 children and adults on a Sunday at 11 o'clock. 
and about 250 in the evening. I'd, I'd love this place to be like that. You know why I'd love it to be like that? Not because not I'm a numbers junkie. I'd love it to be like that because Jesus died once for all. He died for every single person that lives here, that is in Bath, that is in the UK, that is in the world. And so we have to have our sights set on where he's got them set, which is everyone. And this is just a big enough a number to make us feel uncomfortable. But also to change the way that we organize things so that we think big like Jesus rather than the same, which is how we often think. So, how are we going to do this? Well, you know, I think the first thing is that we just need to get ready. We need to get ready to grow, to be in a mindset that says, actually, you know what? Jesus is in the growth business. Living things grow, so let's get ready to grow. Let's get organized and organize ourselves in a way that's going to that's gonna help to make that happen. You know, I, I, I think... I think Jesus' purpose for the church is always growth. It's just that so often what we do is we structure ourselves for things to be exactly the same as they were last week. And so often they are exactly the same as they were last week. (laughs) But if we structure ourselves to grow, you know what I think, actually, then we just make space for Jesus to come and do the stuff that he wants to do. So we're going to do two key things and I've highlighted both of them already the first one is that we're going to make the way clear we're going to have this clear pathway that is going to help people to follow Jesus and to grow as his disciples and we're going to kind of call all of that stuff the way and we'll, we'll, we'll keep on talking about it. Keep on talking about what it means to pray and to read the Bible. Keep on offering some additional training, helping people to follow Jesus. And where stuff gets in the way of people following Jesus, let's change it. Let's get it out of the way. Let's clear the way so that people can follow Jesus. And, and the next thing is, is we're simply going to start where we are and where we're not, rather than where we're not. You know, that means the street that you live in. It means this building, because it happens to be here and it happens to be the one that we're meeting in. We could go and rent another one, but you know what? We'd have to pay rent. So we start here. We start with where you live and where I live, the place that you work. We start at the school gate with the networks of people that we know and starting to offer hospitality to all those that come and come past our path. I love to offer hospitality, for example, to all those folks that walk the Cotswold Way. You know, we wouldn't get to see much benefit of it, but I think Jesus loves that. Wouldn't it be great if there was this glow of faith all up and down the Cotswold Way from people that have come past this place? We start here, where we are. And so I'm going to finish with a question for you. And this question, this question is not about me. This question is not about all saints. And it's not even about the Church of England. The question is about following Jesus. You, you do need to know that 
that Meg and I have made this decision. You know, as for me and my household, as it says in Joshua 24, we will serve the Lord. We've got stuff to learn on this about prayer, about Bible reading, and and we want to do that as a family. We're not excluded from this. And so my question, my question is this. Will you commit yourselves to following Jesus and making disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit? It's not a complicated question. But it is one that will change our lives and our lives together. Will you commit yourselves to following Jesus and making disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit? You know, I believe that if we do this together, we will be responding to the call of Jesus in this generation. And we'll be showing his love to a hurting world. We will be agents of change and transformation to a broken world. If we do this, I believe that we will become a church on the way.